Hello, and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people who have overcome real challenges and are making our world better because of it. They have taken life's lemons and are making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I need to get to know you. So tell me a couple of little things about yourself. Uh, so I'm a nationally qualified power lifter and I love hot Cheetos and pickles together. <laughs> yes. And if you haven't tried it, I just one time, just allow yourself to try it. It is the best ever. <laughs> okay. I'll trust you. Okay. Well, thank you. That's awesome stuff, but you've got to take me back and tell me more about you and your lemon to lemonade story, why you're doing what you do. Yeah. So, um, I'm a recovering drug addict. I had been an addict for nearly my entire life. Um, from the age of 10 is when I started dabbling and not until 23 or 24 that I stopped. I mean, as an addict, you hear all the time, there's so much for you there. You have so much potential. You have kids, you have this, you have a life going for you. Have You have all of this. And as an addict, all you can see is like, if you were to put your hand in front of you right now, and this is a drug to an addict, whatever the case, this is more. Okay. All you see is more, 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 more. And then your focus is on this. Okay. So your peripherals are blinded. They're blurry. You can't really see them. And this is what everybody's telling you. So for, for a long time, nearly my whole life, I could never hear what anybody was saying. Um, my family, Stephanie, you're hurting me, or why are you doing this to me? Or my kids, where's mommy? You know, all of the above. And I just couldn't hear. In 2015, I stole a vehicle. I, this was at the peak of my addiction. And I stole a vehicle and I went down to Louisiana, was there for maybe five hours and got arrested. And my this is when my entire life changed. Um, I had been to jail more than I could count and and Texas and Wichita. I mean, I went to juvenile prison when I was young and just in and out, in and out, in and out. And it just never got a hold of me. But this time um, was different. And I had drugs on me. And when I was in the holding cell for three weeks, I had drugs stashed with me. And then when I finally rolled back, I kind of put them under my pillow and just fell asleep. I was actually able to sleep in a bed, not on hard cement. When I had finally woken up and was just kind of able to move around and think a little clearly, um, I was hungry. And I talked to one of the girls there and I was like, hey, I have this. Is there anybody that would trade me commissary for this? And it was the first time in my addiction that I've ever chose anything over drugs. The first time. So looking back, I can kind of see how things were working into my transformation, I guess. Um, so while I was in there, I finally came to the end of myself. Like I didn't have any knowledge or understanding of recovery or NA or AA. But again, looking back, I can see that God had a plan for me. And I was working the steps of a program of recovery without even really knowing what it was. And it was probably February. Um, we were on lockdown in the jail and I had a Bible with me and all the times I've been to jail, I always had a Bible and I'd read, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like, you know, like, Lord, help me if you get me out of this, you know, 
but this time was just different. And I was reading the book of Ecclesiastes and I had never been moved by reading before. And as I'm reading, the words were just coming to life for me. And I, I was like, I was reading my story in in this book. And I just, I was so overwhelmed with emotion and I just, I mean, I couldn't handle it. And I was just bawling hysterically. I covered myself with my blanket and I closed it. And I was like, look, God, if you're real, like, I don't know what is happening, but if you're real, I need you. Like I've tried men, I've tried women, I've tried drugs, I've tried counseling and therapy and food and rehabs and all of these things. And nothing in this world has ever been able to move me the way that I'm being moved right now. So if you're real, you've got to do something. Give my mom her daughter back. Give my grandparents their granddaughter back. Give my kids their mom. Give me myself. Show me who I am. I know everybody kind of has their own opinion on religion and all of this um, stuff, but I had grown up in a, a very religious household and my mom was pagan. My grandparents were Baptist. So I was very confused. And I just asked God to help me forget everything I've ever been told by anybody and show me what it is that you want me to know. Teach me what you want me to learn. Uh, guide me the way that you want me to be guided. Like forget religion. Just show me freedom. And my entire life changed in the blink of an eye. I mean, the way I just everything was different for me. Um, so when I was getting out of jail, I thought I was getting out of jail. I thought I was. Uh, they told me, Stephanie, you're about to roll up. And I was calling people that I had been to jail with prior or like previously or like in the jail. And, um, hey, I'm getting out. Let me come to your house, you know, and have this plan. And I was in Louisiana. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. I had nobody there. Um, so as I'm, they call my number, I'm rolling up. I make the phone call. I'm like, hey, I'm, come, I'm ready. Come pick me up. And I get to the back and they're like, I dress or I change out and I'm like, I have my stuff and I can barely fit my clothes. I mean, I went to jail weighing 97 pounds and I came out weighing 150. It's a big increase. And my clothes were a little snug. So I'm like walking out and this lady's standing there with handcuffs and shackles. And she's like, Stephanie, I'm like, no. <laughs> she's like, are you ready? I'm like, for what? She's like, you're going back to Kansas. I was like, oh gosh. So I got extradited back to Kansas. Uh, when I got back here um i told the judge and i was in jail for another month when i got out i told the judge i can't stay here like i don't know how to stay here and be around what i know and not put drugs in my system but this is the first time i've ever thought this way and i just can't stay here so he allowed me to go back to louisiana and i checked myself into a um a rehab program it was a faith-based rehab program which taught me about god and i mean taught me about myself and just kind of gave me something I'd never had before. And it was just a chance, but I didn't know how to work under this structure and these guidelines. And I, there were some pretty strict rules and I'd ended up getting kicked out um, a couple of times. But I just kept going back, kept going back. And the second time God was like, no, this isn't for you anymore. Like you've, you've done what I needed you to do. So I got out and I ended up working in Chalmette, Louisiana at a rock yard. And all of these things, like, again, I knew nobody. I had nothing. And God literally just provided a way where there was no way. I mean, talk about the sea being parted, okay? Like, anything I could have ever, 
I mean, I could, I didn't even need to ask for anything. He literally just provided a way for me to have a job, for me to have a place to live. I mean, just step by step, it was just provided for me. And I just continuously moved in faith. Um, so I was working at this rock yard for a good period of time. I'd, I'd wake up at like five in the morning and I wouldn't get off until seven or eight at night. I mean, it was a long, a long day. And, um, but I was so grateful. I was just grateful. My first time making legal money, clocking in and clocking out, no drugs in my system to wake me up, no drugs to put me to sleep. I mean, it was just really nuts. I wanted to get into fitness. Like I said, I had gained 50 pounds in jail and I just wanted to do something different. I'd never seen my body look that way. And I just was ready for a change. Um, so I started going to planet fitness in Louisiana and I was so insecure, so uncomfortable. I'd never been into a gym before. I'd never worked out like that before. So I went to Walmart and I bought the Gold's Gym waist trainer and I bought gloves and I went in with two tank tops um, and a jacket, my gloves on, and I would just sit on the benches and just watch people work out and had no idea what they were doing or why they were doing it. And eventually I got enough courage to go up and ask what they were doing and why and um just that's how I started to learn. And that's when I started to fall in love with fitness. And I had been given a vision that I was going to be a part of a movement of some sort to help men, women, and children who had either battled drug addiction, porn addiction, sex addiction, food addiction, whatever the case, any type of addiction um, to be set free and find and become the best versions of themselves. And I had no idea what that meant. No idea. But I just believed it. And that has been the one thing that I've never let go of for the last seven years. Um, so fast forward. Yeah, now here I am, seven years in recovery. Um, I, I have my own business. Um, I'm a powerlifting coach and I'm a personal trainer. I'm a competitive powerlifter. Um, I have three different personal training jobs. I work at multiple gyms here in Wichita, Kansas. And I'm just, I'm a mentor to a lot of women um yeah, and I'm 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 doing the thing and when my my daughters had been taken away in 2014 and I had gotten to the place to where it was like I just had to surrender it there was no way that I could just continuously hold on to this need for control or just um I need to control the narrative I need to be a part of this I need I need them back. I had to come to a place of surrender and just be okay with the fact that if I never seen them again, that was okay. That was God's plan. He had a bigger purpose for them and they were being taken care of. I just trusted and believed that. And seven years later, by the grace of God, somehow I got reunited with my daughters and have my first physical visit with them last year. I'm back in my son's life as much as he allowed me. He's 15. So, you know, he's kind of, he's at that age. That's my, my story. That's my life. Wow. So are your girls close to you? Are they near, near you and you see them often or just that one time? Um, it was just that one time. Okay. Um, when they were taken, they had went to California to live with their grandmother. And um, it's been a court battle for basically their entire life. And I actually just recently came to the place of surrender once again <clears throat> to sign my rights over for them to be adopted by their grandmother, um, primarily because she's been their caretaker for the last seven years of their life. And um, 
they have a they have a life, you know, they have stability. And again, I parts of me sometimes will try to control the narrative and you know, no, but I'm the mom, but I'm but I'm but I'm just all selfish. And the reality is I am their mom, but they have another mom too. But that's so uh amazing and so mature of you to think that way because that is what's best for your kids and you're thinking beyond yourself. And that's amazing that you can do that. So that's really hard. Oh yeah, it's hard. You know, that's the that's where God comes in and just gives me peace because um they know that I've fought, they know that I've been there, um, they've seen my efforts, they've blessed their hearts, they've been a part of a court battle nearly their entire life. So they know. They know and I have peace with that. Yeah. So I have to ask, just to clarify, you started drug use at 10 years old. How does that happen for someone that young to get involved in drugs? Yeah. So I was molested at a very young age. And um I don't remember it at all. Uh, I just remember the symptoms that I had from being molested. Because of that, I had these weird behaviors like I was very needy and I needed friends and I I just needed validation I needed to feel accepted and seen and I needed to feel loved and all of these things and um I knew that there was something out there that could help I mean I've I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Jesus Revolution but he talks in that movie about uh, this void that everybody has that they just fill with drugs and that's that's the truth. That's the case. You're always searching for something. And I've since I was very little, I've been searching, searching, searching. And when I was 10, I was at a friend's house and they had pot and we just rolled up a joint, had no idea what we were doing. Um, but we rolled up a joint in this paper and that was my first experience. And that was all I needed at that point. It was, it had nothing to do with influence. I was the influencer. I knew that there was something out there that would make me feel good and take me away. And I was going to do whatever it took to find it, get my hands on it and then show everybody else how good it was. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. But now you have filled that hole with God and your purpose. Yes. It's amazing how you could turn it around. You had to get to your lowest place. Yeah, that place of surrender, you know, watching that movie, my husband and I recently watched it and it was, that movie was my life. I mean, the way that he worded everything just is like reading me once again, Um, even his experience with Christ and and God and how he had these spiritual awakenings and and just such this fire for God. I mean, that faith-based rehab that I was a part of was that for me. Like it was revival. We were the revival praying over anybody and everything and just believing and having just such a strong faith that regardless of anything going on in the world, we have God. And if our foundation is built on him, then we're, we're fine. Like it doesn't matter how chaotic it looks or how the storms are raging, whatever the case that we have peace and solitude and God. And that's what matters. That's it. Yeah. So you've had your share of lemons for sure. And you're making amazing lemonade now, supporting other people and doing fitness and helping others. So what is your advice? What is something you'd want to make sure that people know now? I know what it feels like to search and to constantly be looking for something, something to fill that void, whether again, it's 
any type of addiction, food, porn, sex, drug, um, relationship addiction. I mean, whatever the case, we're, we're, we're just these creatures that search. And my biggest piece of advice is to search for truth. Um, all these other things feel so good and can give you this this external comfort and simultaneously this internal chaos. And when you find truth, whatever that means, you will have internal peace despite external chaos. And that is honestly my biggest piece of advice because I know I have a lot of, I mean, I was one of them. I was, I had church trauma, you know, I was raised with religion versus relationship. I was raised in a pagan household. I was raised very confused and conflicted and just not sure of what truth was. And I, I know what it feels like to um, to be afraid of something, but the peace is very quiet and and always internal, despite the external circumstances. Yeah. Very good. I love that. And whatever truth is, I, I think that's great. You've got to find that peace and it's there and it's there for all of us. And it usually comes from God. And I love that yeah. you've recognized that and you've brought him into your life and it's not found in all these other things that we think it will be. Yes. I learned again, and I don't remember if I heard this or if this is just the way that God had moved in me, but um, I heard that or the truth that I've developed or understand is that the devil blesses from the outside in with external things like here's this car, here's this person, here's this money, here's this whatever. Um, and God blesses from the inside out. Your blessings start internally and begin to radiate to, into the external. And that's kind of my, um, my purpose are people, period, whatever that looks like. If I go in from personal training to real estate or flipping burgers or whatever the case, my purpose will always be people, despite their beliefs, despite their lifestyle, despite any of it. And I have such a heart to help people find their purpose, to find their truth, to find what it is that helps them truly, genuinely, honestly be set free. So necessary that we can all do it too. We can all be yeah. set free. And you're the yeah. voice for that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and helping others. We need that reminder that we can be set free from whatever it is and that it's within us already. Yes. And bring it out. Yes. I'm happy. I have for the first time in my entire life, I just have a peace and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just grateful. You know, they say in recovery, um, oh, in early recovery, you're on this pink cloud. And, you know, like when you first get clean, it kind of happens to everybody. You're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a recovering drug addict. I'm clean. I'm 10 days sober. I'm 30 days sober. Or I just picked up my coin. You know, like you have this, you can always tell when somebody's in early recovery because of how excited they are to talk about it and to share their hope. But I have also learned that, that they usually say the pink cloud usually lasts about 90 days. And after a few years, you go from like drug recovery to emotional recovery. And then that's when it gets tough. But um, I've learned that that pink cloud never has to go away, ever. I'm seven years in recovery, and I've learned how to enable that pink cloud. And all it is is gratitude. It's just remembering how far you've come and that, again, despite circumstances, there is purpose for it. Everything we go through, there is a reason for it. 
And as long as you can remain humble and grateful, you will always be giddy and joyful and cheerful and ready for whatever's to come. It seems so simple, but why is it so hard for us? I swear it is one of the hardest things to feel gratitude in those hard moments. And you did it in prison, sitting there, finding gratitude in that Bible verse and and reading. And here you're as low as you can get. You know, you've been arrested, you've stolen, you've done drugs, you had drugs with you, but you still saw that gratitude in just those Bible pages. It's a daily discipline. Yeah. Um, kind of like that void that we or I was talking about, like, even as we, if we know God, or if we've been clean, or if we've had that Saul to Paul moment, or been set free, whatever the case, when we get angry, or frustrated, or whatever, any type of yucky feeling, what that, that's that void exposing itself again, as long as we can remember that truth, and just remember that, and know that when these things start to come out of us, that we're searching again for something external, I think it helps to keep us in check to know that, okay, I'm searching for an external reward or an external comfort when I don't need to do that. That's why I feel the way that I feel. And I can't say that the last seven years of my life have been just this floating pink cloud because it definitely hasn't. It's definitely been a learned attitude and a learned discipline. The thing is, Heidi, if me... A recovering drug addict. I mean, when I tell you I was a bottom of the barrel junkie, I was a very low drug addict, homeless on the streets, um, bouncing from house to house and crime and all of the things yucky. And if God can take that person that I was and turn me completely around into the person that I am today, like right hand to God, right hand on everything I've ever loved in my entire life. If he can do it for me, he can do it for literally anybody. Even Betty, who has seven kids and has never done anything wrong, who's just struggling with mental illness or depression or whatever the case, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, your status or your deficiencies or any of any of it. Like if he can do it for me, like I'm nobody special. I'm just somebody that was willing and and ready for something different. I just gave him access and was like I'm done trying to be in control and if anybody is dealing with anything of any kind like it's just surrender because if I'm 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 nobody special I'm nobody I'm I'm special in his eyes but I'm nobody special if he can do it for me he can do it for anybody and he will and he wants to he wants to yeah, he can't make you. You've got to reach to him, though. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was that was amazing. Thank you. Wow. Love that so much. <laughs> I think we all need that reminder. So I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for talking to me today. You have uplifted my life, and I appreciate this so much. So I wish you all the best and I'm so proud of you. So thank you. Thank you, my lady. And I I appreciate you. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. 
you might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.